honor and praise through song. We welcome all our online viewers this morning. Welcome to Christ-Centered Church, where Christ is our central focus. I'm ready to worship the Lord. Amen. Anybody happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Can we put our hands together? Hallelujah, Jesus. Wandering through the night, wanting a place to hide this weary soul. Hello. 
continue to worship the Lord. Let's lift up holy hands before the presence of our mighty God and King and Savior. We worship him. We thank him for picking us up, turning us around, and planting our feet on a pyre and solid ground. And we thank God for Jesus. We thank for coming down, becoming flesh, and taking our sins 
and given us a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, whether it be in heaven or in earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ, the only true and living Savior, is Lord of all. We give God thanks for having the keys of both death and of hell. And he said, I behold, I'm alive forevermore. We give God thanks for being here on a wonderful Sunday after Sunday morning for being a part of this wonderful congregation, the Christ Center Church in Hamilton, New Jersey. We are watching, or those who are watching across the world, and those who are watching us from, from your living home, if you're out of state, even out of the country, we thank you and we welcome you to this wonderful congregation. We're going to have a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. We're going to pray that God will bless you. God will heal you. God will deliver you. God will answer your prayers because the message of the gospel is being preached in this congregation and to the world. We pray, Lord God, your blessings upon you, and we're going to pray today. If you have a need, you have been typing in your comments, and we're going to lift holy hands before here in this congregation and the point of contact and believe in God today. Let's lift our hands right now, and let's pray a wonderful blessing over this service. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for being here because your presence is here. You're in the room, and we believe God to do a wonderful work today. We pray for signs and miracles. We pray for testimonies. We pray for God to do a wonderful work through our praise team and through whoever, whoever should serve in this capacity. We pray for the word that we've spoken and the transforming word be spoken out of the vessel of God, that you will use him for such a time as this. Bless every single one of us, what we're doing. Bless our community. Bless this city. Bless this county. Bless this state, because we're here to be an impact to the world and to those who are yet seeking to hear the gospel message. We pray a blessing for today. We pray, God, for direction. We pray for God for healing. And we pray for every soul that be here that will be healed and touched by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's continue to worship the Lord. Let's put our hands together. Let's lift our voices unto the Lord and worship together in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
My heart will 
presence of the Lord into this place. Don't just wait for us to transition. Why don't you get what you came here for this morning? You're in that place where miracles can happen. Whatever it is that you're going through, he can fix it. I fix my eyes on heaven. Visit us this morning, Jesus.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus. Praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just give the Lord a round of applause this morning. He's truly a champion this morning. He reigns forevermore. Hallelujah. We're serving an awesome God this morning who is worthy to be praised. Amen, amen. Let's call him by his name, everybody. Come on, let's call him by his name. Jesus, this morning, is worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, praise and worship team, this morning for taking us into uh, worship this morning. Praise God. Truly, the Lord has uh, blessed us here this morning. We want to take this time out to greet everyone. And thank everyone for being in our service this morning. We pray that God will bless you specially this morning. And I'm sure um, before uh, Jackson falls asleep, I'm watching my grandson. And he was like, watching dad, he was like, man, he was like looking. And I can imagine what was going on in his small brain, you know. But there, there, there's something about when you cultivate yourself in the presence of God. When, 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 when you just surround yourself in the presence of God you realize that he reigns forever and forevermore. He's the king of kings in our life. He's the one that woke us up this morning. He's the one that placed us in our right mind, if you please. He didn't have to let us live, but he, he helped us to live to see another day. Amen. And as I always say, this is another day, a beautiful day that the Lord has made. And we're going to rejoice in it this morning because he has made us glad. He gave us a reason to praise him this morning. And I don't know about you, but whenever I get the chance to praise him, I'm not going to let nothing hinder me from getting my blessing from the Lord. So I commend everyone this morning for your time of worship. Our online congregation, we thank you for signing in this morning. Thank you for being in service this morning. Amen. I know last week was a different week. We had a missionary last week, so we, we apologize. We weren't able to get our service stream last, last week. But you're here this morning in the house of God, and I'm praying and hoping that you're having a good time wherever you are, praising and magnifying the Lord. We're truly serving an awesome God who is worthy to be praised. So God has been good to us. Amen. So good to see you first time and second time and third time. Visitors, we welcome you and glad to see everyone in the house of God this morning. Amen. So good to be in his presence. Amen. Uh, before I, I transition the service, I, I did it in the first service and I want to do it again in the second service. And I'm going to tell the reason behind it. I'm going to ask Pastor and Sister Wyatt. Uh, in fact, I'm going to ask Pastor and Sister Wyatt. He's going to take over shortly to come up and stand for a second. Amen. Up by the congregation. Amen. Front of the podium this morning. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Indeed, it's an, an honor to have uh, our first lady and our pastor here this morning. The uh, reason I brought them up this morning, today is their 23rd wedding anniversary. So I want to say happy anniversary to Pastor and Sister Wyatt. You know, we love you. We're with you. Amen. We pray God continue to bless you all and continue to supply all your needs and continue to make ways for you. Amen. We love you so much, and we pray we're going to be behind you to support in whatever way God calls us to be. Amen. So give him another round of applause as I turn over to Pastor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. Amen. I thank God for all that he's doing in our lives. I welcome all of you to Christ Center Church. Amen. The church where Christ is our central focus. Amen. Do you know that we cannot receive our salvation? We cannot have salvation without being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And there's 
is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so without him, there is no Christianity. Without him, there is no gospel. He is the gospel. And so he is our central focus because he makes everything go. Amen. I thank God for his goodness and his mercy. And um, I, I, I asked them to, I normally don't receive the offering, but I wanted to um, share a few things with you. We are um, striving to be a 21st century apostolic church that is Christ-centered in lifestyle, principle, and power. And um, what 21st century church is, that's a little different than, I don't know, first century church. <laughs> um, we are more transparent. And um, over the years, things go on in churches that, you know, if you're not in the know, you don't know. And But if you're in the know, you know. And so, you know, stuff trickle out because you might know somebody that's in the know, but you really didn't know. So the person that's in the know told you. And so that's how you know which what you know may not be really what you know because you don't have all the information. And so we uh, try to avoid that. And so um, since we've been in our, our REACH program and this um, process in us attempting to purchase that 17,000 square foot building, um, it's, a, it's a beautiful facility, and we're so glad that God has um, allowed us this opportunity to go in. But uh, anything that you're trying to do that's worth anything is going to require great sacrifice. And sacrifice is not something that our world um, seems to um, like to do in this hour. You know, years ago, sacrifice was just kind of how we lived, you know. And um, I don't know, most of you probably didn't live in the time or half of you didn't live in the time where, you know, most family lived in two bedrooms, mom and dad in one bedroom and all the kids in the next one. Doesn't matter how many kids, all the kids in the next one. It's just kind of how it worked, right? And it, to, today we might count that as sacrifice, but that was just how we lived and we never thought much about it. It's just the way of life. And so um, when we bring up certain things now, it's like, ah, pastor, that's, you know, wow. But we have been in our REACH campaign, and we have, you know, went through the process of bringing our first fruit offering. Um, there have been commitments made, and most of you have contributed in your commitment. Some of you are still contributing in your commitment, and we appreciate you for that and thank God for that. And I just want to, you know, come before you today to let you know I would like for you to continue to give as, as, as sacrificial as you can. We are coming down to the last few days to make the transaction, to make the purchase. Um, the date that we have been given, we signed a contract over a year ago, the date that we've been given is October 10th. So that's a Monday. October 10th, um, we need to sit down at the table and to make the transaction. Now, when we started out in the process, um, we were dealing with different banking institutions, and they said, okay, um, you, you know, we're looking at your finances uh, for the past um, four years. It looks okay. Um, so here's what we need as a down payment, and we can make it work. And so in, in the interim since I've been going, um, I started out interacting with six financial institutions. I'm down to two right now. For whatever the reasons are, others just kind of gave up on us on the process, and so we're down to two. And both are saying, well, I know we first said, you know, we need you to have about $430,000 to make the, the purchase. But right now we need $500,000 for you to have up front to make the purchase. And so they moved the goalposts on us, so to speak. 
but what you going to do? I believe that this is the will of God, and I believe that whatever God is asking us to do, many times we have what God has commanded us to do, and sometimes it's about us coming to that place to say, do I do what I'm supposed to do, or do I continue to try to, uh, I don't know, keep my security, make sure I'm secure. And um, so, so that's what we have to look into now to say, hey, I've given, you know, and, but I don't want to, you know, touch my security. And so um, I want you to think about giving even more than you've given and, and pray and ask God to help you to give more and to trust him in this process. It's more than what you can even understand that God will do in your life. I'm not telling you to give just so you can be blessed, but what I do know is when you give, you will be blessed abundantly when you give to the things of the kingdom of God. And so I would like to uh, make this um, pitch or offer to you. Um, When we started out and I felt like we weren't getting close enough to where we needed to um, be with the cash up front, I spoke to some folks that I know, Christian people, that were thinking about being investors, right? And so they were thinking about investing $150,000 in the purchase. So they would come into the deal, and they would kind of be, as investors, part owner of our building, right? And we will pay them, pay off their loan quicker up front in in the first two to three years. And so that's something that we had talked about. Um, That could be something that's still on the table. I'm not sure because I haven't spoken to those guys in a while about it. But I started thinking a little bit. I'm like, hey, why not? Pitch this to the church that if you um, are willing to um, um, lend the church some money as opposed to saying I'm giving this as a donation as opposed to saying that if you're willing to lend the church some money and 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 would like even a return on your investment. We are willing to talk about that with you because the group that we were going to use as investors, they wanted to return on their money. They weren't going to give us 150000 and in three years we give them back 150000 No, they were going to give us 150000 and we probably were going to have to give them somewhere between um, 5 and 8% in return. And so I thought about that. But I think the smart thing to do is to mention to us as a congregation to say, hey, if you have, you know, $50,000 or $100,000, $25,000 that you want to invest in this um, uh, great blessing that God has in store for us, then let's talk about it. Come and see me, reach out to me and let me know if you would like to invest with a return on your money. And so we will be willing to do that because we were going to do it for people that are not a part of our congregation and they would have got the interest. I'd rather somebody in this church um, get the interest. I I would like for you to go lower than them, but, you know, (laughs) in the interest. But 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 I'm serious. And so that's where we are with this. We have a little over 30 days to get two hundred thousand dollars together. That's what the bank, the last bank we spoke to, they said, you got to show us five hundred thousand dollars in the bank account and we'll make the deal happen. So I am bringing that to you because that's where we are. Me, myself, um, I have decided. Uh, I texted our HR the other day. I said, I need to take out a whole lot of money. And what are the, um, the criteria and the terms? And so I'm looking into how much money I can get out of my um, um, retirement and try to contribute that. Um, if it's a lot, then I'll make it a loan. If it's not a lot, then I'll just give it. And so if I can get out a lot, I'll get out a lot and just make it into 
um, alone. The good news is, you know, I can control the terms and I'm not going to worry about, you know, paying myself um, a whole lot of interest. It might just be the interest that I would have to pay back if I have to borrow it from my retirement. I don't know how it's going to work, but I do know I'm committed to the process that whatever I have to do to make sure we get this process done, I'm going to do because I believe God has called us to do something special. And the, big, the biggest thing that um, I've been saying in our district and in our church, I'm looking at those little kids back there, and I'm looking at Jackson, and I'm looking at all these little kids, even my young ones, and I'm thinking about your nieces and nephews and young ones, and we cannot be selfish to think that it all stops with us. We're not going to live forever. And when we go on, what is our children going to do as far as God is concerned? Who is going to be their pastor? How are they going to continue to go forward in God if we don't leave them a legacy? We like to leave a legacy of, you know, finances or, you know, I'm, we've got this nice big house. And so if the parents die, the kids will have the house. and they can, that, That's fine. But guess what? Most of the times they split that up, use the money, and it's gone before you know it. But when we leave them a legacy of a church where they can come in and their children and their children can come in and receive from the Lord and we can continue to help people know Jesus Christ and be saved and spend eternity with him. There is nothing greater in life that you can do than to help someone know Jesus and to be saved. It, it don't, it's not um, popular in saying that because we live in the moment oftentimes, but I'm telling you, there's nothing greater than helping somebody to know who Jesus is, that they can spend eternity with him. Listen, if we live past 70, we're living on borrowed time, if we live past 70. And so we only have 70 years or a little over that to, to, to do whatever we do in the earth, but eternity doesn't have a number on it. Eternity doesn't have an end to it. And so we will be in eternity longer, obviously, than we will be in this life of 70 years, 75, 80, whatever it is. So think about what I'm saying, and I'm bringing that to you just to be as transparent as I can be, because that's just how we do in this church. And we will do that as long as I'm the pastor. And I pray to God that whoever the next pastor is, they will be transparent. Y'all will force them to be transparent, because y'all going to say the old pastor wasn't like you trying to hide stuff. You better be transparent. And so I know y'all have set that person straight. Jackson has set them straight. Say, sleep. You know, worship the Lord like my dad worshiped the Lord. <laughs> We're leaving a legacy for our children. And so join us in this endeavor. Um, spread the word. If you know someone that want to invest, listen, um, my 401k took a big hit. And that's why to me now I'm just like, whatever. I can, you know, I'll get, if, if whatever I can do to, you know, get it out of where it is because, you know, it's just it's, it's a mess. And so we've lost a lot of money and investing um, with the church right now. If we agree to three percent over um, a three year period that if you lend us one hundred thousand dollars and we give it back to you in a two to three year period. And I say two to three year. I expect it to, to be quicker than that. But, you know, you just got to build safety nets in and say two to three years. But if you um, lend us $100,000 and we give you back 3% on that in two to three years, I don't know if any place is doing better than that right now. Right now. Now, maybe in the three years when you finally get it back, maybe that place might, you know, start doing all right. But right now, the markets are not doing that good. So it's a great investment if you can invest some good money in this effort of us purchasing that property. As you see, it's 17,000 square foot. We wouldn't, I don't think, I was talking to my friend the other day, another preacher down in Florida, I says, we get that building, we can be safe, we will be here for the rest of our time here, and if we grow to the point where, because that building can, um, I don't want to say it because 
um, too many things are going on all around us. But that building can fit as much as we need to fit whenever we need to fit it. And so the deal is we would never have to leave from there. We can be there. And um, that's on a cul-de-sac, in case you don't know. So right there is our building. Right next door to our building is a place called Iceland. Then next to Iceland is a place called Dexter. It's some kind of um, parts, car parts place. And I envision one day that as if the Lord tarry and you guys continue to move this along, that we will purchase Iceland and Dexter. And then th- th- those are the only three places on that street. There's another church right next door to us. It's an um, Asian church that's next to us, so they can be there. But we can purchase up everything else, and we'll change the name of the street. <laughs> we'll change the name of the street to Christ-centered way. And everybody that come down that cul-de-sac, they're only coming to us. That's a vision. That will be forever. That will be forever. And so we will, we're going to raise up preachers and send them out, but that will be the mother church. That will be the mother church forever because... That is something. And everything else we do after that, it will just be to spread our wings and to keep spreading the gospel because that's what Jesus called us to do. So that's where we will be forever if we go forward and do everything that we need to do. So think about that. And we're going to take our offering this morning. So I would like for the ushers to come. Amen. And there we go. Um, You can give in many, many different ways. There are all the ways we said, you know, website, PayPal, Cash App, mail in. You can mail a check in. Um, As a matter of fact, our district, um, our district agreed, um, the organization that I'm a part of, um, our district agreed to give us, um, you know, some money, uh, us and Brother Evans and some money for this, this thing here. And they were like, I can send it PayPal. I said, nope, don't send it PayPal. You know why I said it? I, said, I don't want no, I don't even want a cent going to no. PayPal for this. For no. me, I'm sorry. Y'all do whatever you want to do because I want the money to keep coming. But PayPal not getting a cent from me. And so, so they said, we can send it over. I said, nope. He said, no, you can send it by friends and family. I said, nope. He tried to send it friends and family where there's not a fee on it. Didn't work. I said, I told you, send that check in the mail, bro. <laughs> so, so they're sending us um, $4,500. I thank the district for that. that. That's really nice of them to, they voted to give us $4,500 um, in our meeting yesterday. So we thank God for them and what they're doing. Amen. Since I've been given um, to um, tithes and offering and whatever I give in this church, check and cash. I don't mess around with the um, other stuff. But, but, but y'all, you know, y'all can keep doing it. It's okay. I, you know, I don't want to mess up your flow. But me, check and cash. Right, Sister Wood? Check and cash. We ain't giving nobody nothing extra. <laughs> we had that conversation yesterday. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, let's give this morning and give cheerfully and not grudgingly. God's going to bless you. As a matter of fact, when you hear the message today, you will say, okay, I'm sure you're pretty smart. You'll put two and two together today and say, yeah, God's going to bless me. So let's stand and let's pray and thank God for all his goodness. God has provided for us, church. What do they say? Your health is your first wealth. Don't forget that. Your health is your first wealth. And who is in charge of your health? You? You're going to be a vegan. You're going to eat good. You know, all of that stuff. So you're not in charge of your health. You can do all that you want to do to keep yourself healthy. You can run 13 miles a week and you can eat good and all of the stuff that you want to do, your health is in the hands of God. We've seen healthy, healthy people have heart attacks and be out of here. Your health is in the hands of God. 
So when he gives you good health, use it to do something constructive, which is to reach the lost, give to the kingdom, support the kingdom. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the people of God. Lord, what you're doing in this church, what you're doing in this area, we're so excited. For, Lord, we haven't seen an apostolic church in this area. I can't think of how long ago they had an apostolic church that you're sending us, Lord God. You're entrusting us to lead. And, oh, God, it's a great, great burden and responsibility, but it's also a privilege and a great opportunity for us to do something wonderful before our time is up. I pray, Lord God, that you will touch the hearts of your people and that, Lord God, there will be a spirit of giving that will grip our heart. That, Lord God, whatever it takes, we will give sacrificially. We will give abundantly because we want to see the kingdom of God advance. We have relatives and children and nieces and nephews and all sort of people that we're connected to that we want to see them saved. And, Lord, we're coming this morning to give trusting that as we give the power of God will reach those that we want to see reach so they can be saved. Lord, receive our giving this morning and let it go for your intended purpose. In Jesus name we pray. Somebody say amen. Come forward, bring your tithes and offering, however you want to do it. You just give it to the Lord.
Hallelujah. You said, and I believe. You said it, it is done. one more time. Thank the Lord. Amen. Amen. I want to greet you all once again in the name of Jesus. Levi, I didn't get a chance to meet you last week. I greet you this morning in the wonderful name of Jesus. We're so glad to have you last week, this week, and you are welcome anytime to be here with us. We, we appreciate you being here today. Jasmine and Andre. Jasmine and Andre. Amen. Jimenez. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. Jasmine and Andre, we're so glad to have you this morning, have your family with you. We are just so grateful and we thank God for you. You didn't put down how you made it here, you know, how you got here. Did someone invite you? How did you uh, get to this point? Online. All right. Well, we welcome you to Christ Center Church. Amen. We have two services on Sundays, one at 9 a.m. and then this one at 1030. So that's the other thing that I didn't mention for now. Yeah, I'm going somewhere with it. So what I what I was trying to explain to you, Andre, before they butt in, was that we have two services, and we just can't wait to have one service because we're separated because we don't have enough space. And so the 9 a.m. service usually get dismissed somewhere between 10, 15, 10, 29. Um, and so, <laughs> and so it, it's a struggle. And so... Um, we, we, we hope you will um, enjoy and have already enjoy yourself here. And if you're looking for a church home, we don't want you to look any further. We want you to consider you being a part of our church family because God is doing some great, great things in Christ Center Church. And um, you just fit right in. If you desire to be here, we would love for you to be here. Amen. Make sure you love up um, the Jimenez family and let them know we're so grateful that they are here. And we thank God for them. Amen. I want you to pray with me. Well, let me first call up Josiah. He's going back to school. Anybody going back to school? Um, come here. Um, you know, your, come here, sister. Come on. Let's go. Driving around in your red sports car. Mm-hmm. Come on, school people. 
All the young people, come on. I got to take care of it. Um, might as well take care of it now. You all going back to school. Come on. Amen. If, if, if any one of the him and his family wants to come, that's fine. I'm praying for you all that's going back to school. This is probably, you know, um, I, don't, I don't say negative. I don't want you to take this negatively. That um, I say this all the time. Each year, um, different organizations like to give away stuff to, for children to go back to school with. And that's great. But I believe we have come to a place like, for the most part, in America, most of our children have what we need to go back to school most of the time. And so it's wonderful to give them backpacks and give them pencils and all of that stuff. And that's great. But I don't know how much our children in America need that. I think, and I just came on to something. Shame. Where's Shame? Shame, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. You set this up. I want to know about the children down in your area in Jamaica that you all know that need things to go back to school with. That's what I'm going to do. Because for years I've been searching, and I keep saying, we keep giving book bags and pencils and all this stuff to our children, and they all are fine. What are we doing just so we can feel good? But please don't let me go down that road because people are going to talk about me bad, saying, they're trying to do good, and I'm talking bad about them. This is what I think is the most essential to our children going back to school, is to pray a covering over them, is to pray that they excel in school, is to pray their protection. That's what I think is important. But I think for most of our children here in America, I feel like they're doing okay. So I want to I link up with children. If we're going to give away stuff, I want to link up with children that don't have it for real, for real. And we're trying to get it to them. That's what I want to link up with. Amen. So, so let's think about that. And if you know of an a, a area that you're familiar with that, that children are less fortunate, let's talk about that. But where, where around you children are less fortunate? Where in your area children need book bags? I'm just saying. I'm not being mean. I'm just being truthful. So I want to give it to children that need it. But this they need. <laughs> this they need <laughs> my lord we know of all the the violence that schools have experienced come on now somebody let's 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 think about what we're doing here this is not just some random thing i'm doing we know of schools that are that have experienced violence and we need for our schools and our children our teachers to be protected while they're in the schools the extreme measures that they're going through now, it makes the children feel like they're in jail because they're trying to make sure they're safe. So that's what we need to worry about. That's what I'm praying about for our children is for them to excel um, educationally. It's for God to bless them and protect them and to protect their schools. So will you pray with me for our children? Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray your blessing upon every one of these young persons. We pray, Father, that you will guide them. We pray that you will keep them. We pray your blessings will be upon them and that no harm nor danger will come to them. 
I pray that they will excel educationally. I pray, Almighty God, that they will be a witness while they're in school, Lord God, that they will be able to share their faith, Almighty God, that they're able to be a blessing to others, Almighty God. Let their light shine bright, Lord God, that, Lord, they will model the characteristics of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord God, that your covering will be upon them, that your covering will be over them and over their schools and over their teachers and all the faculties and all the staff, that your covering will be upon them and that no harm nor danger will come upon them or their schoolmates, Lord God. Let no weapon form against them prosper, but keep them, Lord God. Watch over them, Lord God, and use them, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, your favor upon them and that they will be blessed and accomplished throughout the school year, Lord. I pray you have your way in their life, Lord Jesus. Thank you for what you will do in their life this year, Lord God. Thank you for how you will bless them, Lord God, as we give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Let's thank the Lord today. You may be seated, young people. Thank you so much. We really need to make sure we're, and, and make sure when you send them off in the morning, make sure you pray for them when you send them off in the morning. God, cover them. Touch their mind, Lord God. Make sure we cover our children because it's serious when the schools are not safe. My Lord. Amen. Well, let's get into the word of God. And we want God to speak to our hearts this morning. And I believe he's just wanting to help us. He loves us. God loves us, church. Let's stand and turn your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Kings. We're going to go to 1 Kings. Amen. Good to see you, Sister Wood. Tell Chris I miss him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Chris, Chris can, he can hog up the whole setup. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, we started. They go back and forth about their system at home when they do live stream. Her husband said he's the one that set it all up, and she's the one doing all the talking like she's the only one on. So he has a problem with her with that. Like, you're just talking. It's like you're the only one watching. I'm watching too. And I'm the one that set the whole thing up for you. Well, Chris, the pressure's on today because she's not there to comment. <laughs> I'm a mess. I like to start mess, don't I? Ah, I like to have fun. That's what it comes down to. First Kings. We'll start in chapter 17, verse number 8. Amen. Again, we welcome all of you. And we pray God's blessing upon you. The word of God says in verse number eight, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there that a widow a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering up sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth. I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise 
And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. And bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meals wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. We're going to dig into that in a few moments, but just let's pray and ask God one more time to speak to our hearts. And that when we leave here today, change would have come to us by his spirit and by his word. Let's not... Just let's challenge ourselves that we can leave differently than the way we came in. That whatever God has in store for us, we will receive today. Father, I want you to pray also with me for Kamal. He was here last um, Sunday, and he's struggling with his vision. His vision is blurry, and we want God to touch him and heal him. So as we pray for this service, pray for Kamal. He needs his vision to be cleared. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning and for what has transpired already in your house. Jesus, we yield ourselves in complete submission to your will, to your authority, to your power, and for you to do just what you please in our hearts, in our mind, and in this place. Will you manifest your power, Lord God, and let the kingdom of God be revealed to us today. Oh, God, I pray that none of us will leave here today the same way we came in. But, Lord, you will do a new thing within us, Lord God, and that we will not be the same. God, help us today. Place me in the flow of your spirit and use me to speak as your oracle. Touch the heart of your people, Lord God, that they will receive and respond to your message, to your word, to the spirit of God, that we, oh, God, will experience your glory today. I pray for Kamal, Lord, that you'll touch his eyesight, Lord God, and allow him to see clearly that, Lord, the blurriness will go and his vision will be clear. We pray that by your stripe he will be healed. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord as you are seated in Jesus' name. I want to talk to you on this topic this morning. Or this afternoon is 12.01, divine provision. Divine provision. Somebody say divine provision. For quite some time, Elijah was dwelling by the brook Kirith, where the Lord had directed him because there was a drought and a famine in the land. Church, can I tell you that what has happened in the world doesn't have have to happen to God's people. What is happening in the world does not have to happen to God's people. The world can experience drought. 
The world can experience famine, but God will see to it that his people that are in this world will receive from him what will sustain them. They sang this song this morning, God is our champion. And that song means something different to me today than it did over two years ago. In the middle of the pandemic, for somehow that song resonated with me. When we couldn't come out of the house really to gather together as a church and, 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 and doing the things of God, it was just a challenge. And when I listened to that song over the pandemic, I just felt comfort and peace. And, and I just felt joy because I knew that whatever we were experiencing, this is before we all understood where we were going in the pandemic and what was happening. This is before we understood that. All I knew was God is my champion. All I knew was God would take us through. All I knew was God was going to help us. I didn't know how we would do it. I didn't know how we would be sustained. I don't know how it was going to work, but I knew God, our champion, would have taken care of us. And here we are today. As I mentioned to you, both me and my wife, this is not bragging. This is just letting you know how God treats his people. And I know that some of us have experienced really bad setback. But for me and my wife, both of us in the pandemic, in the pandemic, received increases in our job. So not only did we get to keep our jobs, but we had increases. Because God will take care of his children no matter what's going on. We have to know that and understand that. It is a privilege, but it's also a great and wonderful blessing to be a child of God. There are privileges to being a child of God. There are blessings that will flow in your life just because you are a child of God. And you got to realize it's wonderful to be a child of God. In that drought and that famine that was there where Elijah was by the brook. He was there and God was there with him. Can I mention this to you? Droughts and or famines are usually intended to make us repent, to expose our enemy, our adversary, and to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you are experiencing famine or drought in any way in your life, the first thing you want to do is say, God, maybe I have sinned and maybe I have ignored or maybe I have gone in my own way and maybe I have just not obeyed you. And, and, and I don't know why we're experiencing this, but I'm looking to you right now, Lord Jesus, and I repent of my sins and I ask that you'll forgive me for whatever I've done, Lord. That's the first thing you want to do when you're experiencing a famine or drought in your life. The second thing you want to do is say, Lord, what is the enemy in my life? Who is the enemy that is, oh God, opposing me from being who I need to be in you? And God will show it to you. And the third thing you will do is worship and praise God because he will do great things in your life. When there's drought and there are famine in your life, it's for you to look to Jesus more than you ever have. Elijah drank from the brook while he was 
there by the brook. And the Lord used a raven or used ravens to bring food to him while he was in the famine. So while everybody is going through a famine and people are dying from the famine, Elijah was being sustained by a brook and by ravens that God was sending to send food to him. We shouldn't doubt God. We should know that what the Bible says, he's a way maker. He will make a way out of nowhere. And no matter what the circumstances may be, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what you're going through, if you want to get through your situation, if you want to be victorious in the situation you're struggling with, just hold on because God is a way maker. You might not see a way out. You might not be able to see what how you can make it through. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is a way maker. If you trust him, he will make a way even when there seems to be no way. He's a way maker. And he was making a way for his servant, Elijah, while the whole land was experiencing famine. Even though Elijah was there hiding out, life was still good because he was being provided for. The text we picked up in our reading today in 1 Kings chapter 17, in verses 8 through 10, it tells us the Lord commanded Elijah to arise and leave the brook Kirith and go to Zarephath. Now, when you look into the word of God, you got to sometimes put yourself right there and begin to make you yourself there, Elijah. Don't just make it Elijah. You read in Elijah. Put yourself in Elijah's place and say, God, I got it good. Everybody else may be starving and hungry and dying, but I got it good, Lord. Things are good. You're feeding me. Oh, man, I just put my foot up and I don't have nothing to worry about. So why you want me to leave this place, Lord? Why you want me to go from all this comfort? Why you want me to go from all the blessings that's just flowing, Lord? Why you want me to get up out of this place where you've got me real good? The Lord was introducing Elijah to a different way he would provide for him. So Elijah was being provided for by the brook and by the raven. But because of the famine, the brook dried up. And there were no more water. And the Lord says, all right, Elijah, you got to get up out of there. It's time to go. But the Lord had something up his sleeve. What the Lord was doing was he was changing how he provided for Elijah. The Lord will not always care for us the same way always. What? the Lord is doing for us for years. It may not continue for years. He may just say, I'm going to do it for this amount of time, but after a time, I'm going to stop doing it this way. And we have to learn how the Lord handles his business. The Lord will not always provide for us the same way always. He will change the means of provision to remind us that he is our provider. God is our provider. We need to know it. God is our provider. 
No matter where you're getting your income from, no matter what kind of inheritance you've had, no matter where you're getting support from, I'm here to tell you, God is your provider. Hear me. We tend to put our confidence in the tangible source. What we can see as the source for providing for us. So the Lord will end the current means of provision and start a new way to provide for us that we don't become idol worshipers. You see, we just have that tendency. What we can see, we tend to focus on. And many times we're focused on something that really isn't the source. In Romans chapter 1, verse number 21, the Bible says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Now, let me back that up so you don't miss it. It says, because that when they knew God, the Bible says, you can't see God. So they knew God, even though they may not have seen him. So because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. We're always prone to not get involved with what we can't see. If we can't see it, we ain't believing it. If we can't see it, we ain't trusting it. If we can't see it, we don't put enough attention to it. <laughs> and so in Romans chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Because you determined that you can't see it. So it ain't that important. I can't see it, so we can't be. <laughs> 23, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image. Because we can see image. Because we can see image. Change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man. And to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. And so what we do is we say, I just rather just deal with what I can see. And we do that when it comes down to our religious beliefs. I just want to deal with what I can see. I don't want no God that I can't see. So we think we're smart when we make that determination. That I'm going to serve a God that I can see, not a God that I can't see. But watch this. Watchman Nee. He says this. We are prone to look at the bucket and forget the fountain. I mentioned this morning that I grew up in an era where there were times where there wasn't running water in the house. So you had to go someplace to go get the water, and you take your bucket with you. Now, however the water is coming in the bucket, you're not thinking about where it's coming from, the big picture. You're, fill my bucket, fill my bucket, fill my bucket. I'm only focused on my bucket getting full, because that's all that's important, what's going in my bucket. 
God knows that about us. He knows that about us. And so he knows if I always provided for you by letting you fill your bucket this way, you're going to think that 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 fountain, that 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 pipe or that little area where you go to fill, you might think, oh, that's gold. But really, where is the water coming from? Have we stopped to think about where is the water coming from? The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Where is everything coming from anyway? Is it coming from us or is it coming from God? I remember when I came, when I first came from Jamaica and I realized in America they were selling, selling gravel and they were selling dirt. I almost lost my, I almost, I almost died. I said, how are you selling dirt? How are you selling gravel? How are you selling stuff that's natural that God created? How do you decide you're going to sell it? If we can sell oxygen, we will sell it. I mean, you're kind of selling, but you know what I'm talking about. The oxygen that stays in our body. If we can sell that, man, we'll be selling that, Brother Tom. It's ridiculous. We're trying to make a mint on what God has already created and act like we're smart. Are we really are, are we really losing our minds and thinking that what God has created, we can go own it and act like it came from us? Mm, mm, mm. But it's kind of how we're living. And we're not saying anything about it, but we're just kind of living that way. But yeah, we look at the bucket and we forget about the fountain. This is why the Lord has to change our means of supply to keep us focused on the source. Who is he? Almighty God is our source. And he has to change up the methods of how he supplies our needs so we would never get so side, you know, track and thinking that it's something other than God. So what you're reading about Elijah, why God decided Elijah had to leave that brook and go someplace else. God says, I can't let you keep on staying here because all of a sudden the ravens might become your God. All of a sudden this brook might become your God because that's where it's coming from. So all of a sudden now these are your gods and you're forgetting about me. So I will stop letting those things be your, your, your provider. I will stop letting your provision come by those things. And so you will see that, guess what? I'm the one that's providing for you. Yes, the change can be uncomfortable. How God wants to change up and introduce us to new ways, it may be uncomfortable, but we have to say, God, if you're changing something in my life, I want you to go ahead and do it. I'm going to accept that it might be uncomfortable, but if that's what you're doing in my life, I know you will provide for me. I know you will supply what I need. The change may be uncomfortable, but God is supplying your need. Don't you despise the change. Don't you despise the change. It is uncomfortable. It makes things a little uncomfortable. It even makes you feel like, man, is this the right move sometimes? But God is the one that has called you to where he called you to. God is the one that's directing you the way you're going. So just accept the change and be comfortable with it. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Here is another thing about change. Never forget this, church. 
I can simplify things for you sometimes, but a lot of things we still need to explain. But here's simplification when it concerns God and us. God knows every one of us to the point where he knows every strand of hair on our head by number. That's how intimately God knows all of us. Here is what we're missing. God wants us to know him just as intimately. That's really all this has been about from the very beginning. God wants you to know him intimately. God wants you to have intimate relationship with him. Just like a father and a child have a relationship that is right. That's the kind of relationship that God is looking for from all of us. So when he does things, he does things to cause us to see him in different ways. To cause us to know him in a different way. And so God's will for all of us is that we can know him more intimately. For us to know him in ways we have not yet known him. So when he stirs things up, when when he begins to change the way he does things, pay attention to him. Not the things that he's stirring up. Not the things that he's moving around. Not the things that he's shifting. Pay attention to him because what he's trying to do is to get you to see him in a different way. To know him in a different way. He's still God Almighty, but he wants you to understand more aspects of who he is. Not just the one way you see. Help me, Jesus. If you continue to see him in only one way, there's going to be some things that will come in your life that will cause you to not trust him. That will cause you to walk away from him when you only know him one way. He don't want you to know him just one way. He wants you to know him in every way possible. So every situation you know how to handle. Many have walked away because they only know him one way. How they know him? Oh, God will supply my need. They don't want to know him that he lets you struggle sometimes. They don't want to know him that he, that he allows you to go through some things so you can learn and understand the principles of God. They don't want to know him that way. They only want to know that when I need something, God take care of it. That's a detriment to you. If all you know about God is that he will provide for you when you need providing for, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. God wants to have fellowship with you. Fellowship with you. God wants to have fellowship with you. Uh Uh-huh. So when he stirs things up to make you uncomfortable, don't get all mad and start making excuses about the church and about this stuff. That is not what's going on. It is God trying to pull you a little closer to him. It's God trying to open your eyes to know him, to understand him more than you have already understood and know him. None of us, me, you, whoever you think is the greatest spiritual guru, none of us know God completely. So all of us is supposed to be striving to know him a little bit more. One channel of help fails, only that the soul may be quickened by a fresh revelation of God's kindness. God is wanting to reveal himself to us in more ways than what we already know. How easily God can supply us with what is necessary for us. If ordinary channels fail, how easy for him to imply extraordinary ones. 
And make no mistake about it, church, one way is just as easy for God as another. As I mentioned this morning, we think, man, I need God to help me with my mortgage. I need God to help me with my rent. Oh, I'm short on my car payment. God, I need a blessing. And somebody help you out. God send somebody to be a blessing to you or whatever the case may be. And whoo, man, God came through. And then I say to you, this church is trying to purchase a property that costs $1.6 million. And we need to come up with $200,000 to make the transaction. You're like, mm, Pastor, I don't know about all that. Why are we trusting God to help us out with our car payments and our mortgage? But we're not trusting him to help us out. For him to work in this church. You see, you see how sometimes if we question ourselves a little bit more, we'll realize we're kind of confused. You don't want to think you're confused, huh? If you question yourself enough concerning your relationship with God and how you interpret the word of God, you might realize you're a little confused. Because we need to intake the word of God for what God is saying to us. There is nothing too hard for God. There is nothing too hard for God. Just like God can loose you from a headache, God can touch your body that is cancer stricken and eradicate that cancer just as easy. He's not working hard to, 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 to heal you from cancer than to remove your headache. Because that's how our mind works. Our mind, oh, headache is not that big of a deal, but cancer, oh, that's big. You're going to have to come to know God a little bit better. You're going to have to come to know God a little bit better to realize whether it's a headache or cancer, whether it's financial situation, it does not matter to him. It might matter to you. It might matter to me because emotion is playing a part. But to God, it's nothing to him. None of it is anything. Everything he created, everything that is here, it came by him. I told him this morning, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that is made. So everything that exists came by God. So why do you think you don't have power over everything? Why does he have power over headache, but he don't have power over your money? Why does he have power over, you know, a little bit of sickness here, a little, you know, something that's going on, but he can't heal cancer? Come on, church. It's about us knowing him and everything that he's doing. He's doing it so we can know him in a way that we need to know him and not give up when things get hard because that's what happened a lot of times times get hard and get challenging for all of us and some of us begin to run we don't show up in church anymore we don't come to church and we say oh you know i'm going through and for life of me i'm saying why would i not show up in church when i'm going through again we confuse and we don't realize we're confused because i would think that the best place for me to be when i'm going through is in church Let me tell you a secret. Let me bring it to the natural for you. Show you again that we're confused. If you talk to a professional athlete and they happen to be going through a bad experience, whether it's their marriage in crisis, whether it's some financial situation, whether it's anything going on, you know what they say is the best time that they have with all that they're going through? When they're on the field or the court. That's their sanctuary. 
They said, no matter what's going on in my life, if I can just get to the field, no matter what's going on in my life, if I can just get to the court, because while they're on the court or while they're playing ball in the field, in their mind, nothing else matters. That's their sanctuary. So even the natural people that's not godly or spiritual understand, when I go and do what I do best and what I, when I go and do what I like to do, I forget about everything else. Why do we avoid church when we're going through? Maybe that's not what we love the best. Maybe that's not what's the most important thing to us. Maybe that's not what we love the best. That's why when we're going through, we don't come to church. I remember clearly when Barry Bonds was going through scrutiny, steroids. He was going through all kind of stuff. He would get up the bat, home run every time. I mean, his average of hitting a home run went through the roof because he did not care what they said about him. I'm sure maybe when he wasn't playing, he had to listen to all the talking heads and all that stuff. And he ah, driving me crazy. But when he got to that field, he blocked everything out. That's telling you something about the creature that is called humans. And that's telling you that what we enjoy the best, what we like to do, what is what puts us in the place where we're completely comfortable and satisfied is what we like to do no matter what's going on around us. So if we are not trying to be in church when we're going through, woo, must not have been your sanctuary. Must not have been what you enjoyed the most in your life. God was sending Elijah into a Gentile territory. And since Zarephath was not too far from Jezebel's home city of Sidon, he would be living in enemy's territory. Even more, he was instructed to live with a widow whom God had selected to care for him. Check this out. God is sending his servant to be cared for by a widow. Widows were usually among the neediest people during those times. So, God, how much sense does that make, bro? Yo, bro, how is it in the world you sending me to a widow? She don't have no husband. She got one son. She barely got anything. How in the world is she going to sustain me? And I was eating good at the brook. Ravens was feeding me. Oh, man, I always had enough food. I'm drinking from the brook. Every once in a while, I jumped in and went swimming. And now you want me to come with this lady? That's busted. She don't have nada. Zero zilch. Can't do nothing for me. But that's not what the prophets did. He didn't go to God saying all that stuff. That's something that we would do. We wouldn't even have went. We're like, baby. <laughs> when God told us he was choosing a widow woman to take care of us, we were like, man, that wasn't God. That was the devil. <laughs> Woo. Elijah was sent to a most unlikely quarter. The hostess whom the Lord had chosen was a widow, one who possessed only one more meal for her and her child to eat before she died of hunger. The fact that the woman had been instructed by the Lord isn't proof that she was a Christian. So she wasn't doing it because she was a Christian. God had put it in her heart, and she was doing it because God had put it in her heart. How many people know God can use whoever he wants to use whenever he wants to use them? God using you don't mean you're right with God. God can use whoever he wants to use whenever he wants to use them. Don't mean that you're great. As a matter of fact, the, the, the devil is being used by God. Uh-huh. 
So God used whoever he wanted. We know he used donkeys. We know he used false prophets. We know he used everybody. He used anybody. Whoever he chooses doesn't mean you're doing good. Just means he wants what he wants. And so he do whatever he wants to do because he's sovereign. The woman's assets was just few. A little oil in a flask, a handful of barley in a large grain jar, and a few sticks to provide fuel for the fire. But Elijah's assets were great, for God Almighty had promised to take care of him, the widow, and her son. And so they were going to be fine. Because God said it. You said, I believe. You said, it is done. Church, hear me today. You you may not be in a drought or a famine or worried about where your next meal is coming from. But what could be true is this. The Lord may be changing your means of provision for some of you. He is trying to change how you've been provided for by him. And, and, and you've got to understand this. How you grew spiritually years ago may not be how God wants you to grow spiritually moving forward. Because God will change the process of how he does things, the method of how he does things, because he's trying to get us to know him. He's trying to get us to get an intimate relationship with him. So he changed things up and hope we will be astute enough to say, okay, Lord, you just changed something. What are you doing? I'm preaching this to you today because I believe that is true for us as a church. I believe God is changing something. I don't know what he's changing, but that's why I'm just being astute. Lord, what are you changing? I'm distracted right now. I might not look distracted, but I'm distracted. What are you distracted for, preacher? Because God is doing something and I'm trying to pay attention. I just want you to know how I try to operate. God is doing something and I'm trying to pay attention. And so I'm a little distracted about if things are not like, you know, kind of, Fitting in with what God is doing, I'm kind of distracted from those things because God is doing something and I want to find out what is he doing. So let me finish up here. We, 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 we normally don't go this long, but let me finish up. How did this miracle unfolded? Elijah said to the widow, Make therefore a little cake first and bring it unto me. And after make for me and after make for thee and thy son. It was a sharp test. Think about it. Famine will bring selfishness and self-preservation into all of us. How in the world, dude, you going to tell me make a meal for you first when all you see I've got is a little meal just for me and my son? How dare you? And then you call yourself a man of God on top of that. You should be shot. Don't come tell me, give me, give you my last meal. And then, you know, maybe there's a little leftover for me and my son. Then we can eat after it. That makes no sense. God cannot be doing, doing that. You know, we like to say, here's our cliche. God ain't in that. God can't be in that. Yeah, if you don't know God, you're going to say that. If you didn't hear from God, you're going to say that. But amazingly, this woman listened. 
she made Elijah the cake first. Uh huh. So many of us don't want to serve God because we think He demands too much of us. But can I show it to you this way? That woman, she had one meal for her and her son. Either way, if she calculated in her natural mind, she was going to die. It's just a matter of when. If I don't give it to the prophet and eat it, I'm going to die. But if I give it to the prophet and I'm left stranded, I'm going to die. For sure, if I eat it, I'm going to die because I have no other way of figuring out how I'm going to be sustained. But if he happens to be a real man of God, if this happened to be God's word, then I need to make sure I do this because this is the only option I could have to not die. If you don't live for God, you're going to die. If you live for God, you're going to die. But if you live for God, when you die, you get to be in his presence for eternity. If you don't live for God at all, when you die, you're going to be tormented in hell for eternity. Is it still too hard? Is it too demanding of what God is asking for you still? Is it, is it still too much that God is demanding from you to live for him if when you die, you're going to die? But then the question is, where will you spend eternity? Let me even take it a step further. I'm trying to finish now. Let me take it a step further. Some people say, I don't know if there's no God. And all that stuff that y'all Christian people talk about, I don't know about that. You willing to take the chance? Because, again, go back to that widow woman. She could say what a lot of people are saying today about that. But she was smart enough to say, look, we're so educated today. We have degrees that have degrees. We're so smart, and we're still not smart. Because <laughs> this is a widow woman way back in the day that was able to calculate in her mind give it to him because I've calculated I'm going to die no matter what and if this dude is the one that is God's person and somehow God is going to sustain me I'm willing to take that chance I'm willing to take that chance and so I ask all of us today are you willing to take the chance to repent of your sins to get baptized in Jesus name to let God fill you with his spirit and you'll live a holy and righteous life are you willing to do that or man eh, we're going to die anyway and who knows if God exists are you willing to take that chance God shows us in so many ways what he's trying to do and trying to help us with. But we're still trying to figure out ways that we can get around God. Church, i got to let you know, I laugh at God all the time. Not in a bad way, but just how good he is. Because he has all the angles covered. I think I'm a fairly decent, smart person. And I'll be thinking about some stuff. And then, I, then God just brings to my mind. I just laugh. I said, boy, you got it all. I say that a lot of times. Just me and God by myself. I said, boy, you really got this thing locked up, don't you? I say it all the time. Just me and him. Nobody else around. I say, God, you really got this thing locked up. Because there is no angles. You can't get around God. You either get 
through him or you won't make it. Because his ways are ironclad. Ironclad. You can't change them. You can't destroy them. You can't work around them. It's his way or... Make me a little cake first is what the man of God said to her. In Matthew 10, verse 37, it says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Who or what do you love more than Jesus? Listen to me. The Lord must be first in our life. In order to experience divine provision, you need to make sure the Lord is first in your life. If not, the provision will be yours, not divine. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. God wants us to make him a little cake first. You ready for this one? When God created Adam and Eve, The first two people, he put them in a garden called Eden, and he told them all the trees of this garden you can eat from, except that one right here. Don't eat from that. Why did God do that? There's a lot of reasons I can tell you why God did it. But if you study God's principle, you will realize that God wants the first fruit of everything. And he teaches us. God is, oh, man, I got to stop. But listen to this. God says that if you plant a vineyard, you should be the first to eat from it. Listen, I just told you the dude is ironclad. You can't get around him. So he is saying to us, he must have the first of everything in our life. But he's also telling you, you must have the first after he has his first. So that first principle is a thing of God. Tithing is not about whatever we make it about. Tithing is about the principle that God get his first. As I mentioned this morning, you can't give God seconds, thirds, and fourths. He wants the first portion of whatever your increase is. He gets first because if it's not the first, it's not a tithe. Adam and Eve couldn't eat of one tree, but they couldn't eat of all the other trees. Listen, I'm finishing here. Let's stand. Divine provision. You remember in John chapter 6, verse number 5, it talks about the little lad that had the fishes and the loaves. And so they, they were following Jesus for a long time. They got hungry. The disciples says, Lord, send them away because they hunger. And the Lord says, no. Again, God's showing you how good he is. He said, they've been following me. How does it look for me to send them away hungry? No, I'm not going to send them away hungry. I'm going to feed them because they've been following me, so I'm going to feed them. And so he says, what do we have to eat? They said, oh, nothing here, Lord. And then they say, oh, this lad have some loaves and some fish. And he says, bring it to me. And the word says he blessed it. And then he began to distribute and and fed over 5,000 women and children, fed a ton of people with the loaves and the fishes that the little boy had. The good part about that thing is not just the miracle. You want me to tell you what was good about that whole thing? In verse 13, it says, 
in verse 12, it says, when they were filled, they ate. They ate all the fishes in the loaves. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remain over and above unto them that eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth that the prophet that should come into the world. When they all ate, Shaheen, there was 12 baskets left over of food. This little boy had loaves, a few barley loaves, and a few fishes, and it turned into feeding over 5,000 people and leftovers. What God is trying to tell us is when you make him first. Can you imagine that little boy could have took his lunch and ate it? But if he would have ate his lunch, all he had would have been his lunch. We have to get that today. We don't want to leave here today and not understand that you don't want to take things just for yourself. You got to give God whatever you need to give to him first before you take. Don't you take. Give God first. Don't look at it as what you're losing. Look at it as what you're gaining. Because when you give him first, what it's going to produce is going to be so vast comparing to if you would just take it and have it to yourself. Divine provision comes by us giving to God first. God must be first in the morning when you wake up. God must be first in the blessings of finances that he gives to you. God must be first in your marriage, in how you conduct your marriage. It must be ordained uh, or conducted by the word of God, by the principles of God. Everything that you do, God needs to be first. That's how divine provision come to pass. Is God being first? We want God to bless us and we want God to give us, you know, just immeasurable blessings. But guess what? We have made him second, third, fourth because we're so emotional that we always want to make sure we feel our emotion. And then we lose out on the blessings of God because we did not make God first. If we're going to experience provision, we have to make God first. We must remember that God should have the first claim upon us and upon our substances. God must have the first claim. God wants to have the first claim. If you want to be successful, examine your priorities. Ask yourself, did I put God first in this or did I just went ahead and did what I felt like doing? Let me tell you something. I feel strongly this morning to tell you this because I feel like this is the last thing the Lord dropped down, downloaded in my spirit. God is talking to somebody right now about you. And they're going to be able to give you what you need. He's talking to them right now about you. That's what he did for his servant, Elijah. He spoke to that person. He spoke to that widow woman. I don't care who the person is. By now we should realize it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter where they come from. It does not matter their status. If God is speaking to them about you right now, then all you need to do is make sure you're putting God first. 
because God is speaking to somebody on your behalf right now. God is speaking to somebody about your promotion right now. I sense it as I stood right here. God is speaking to somebody about your promotion. Somebody is hearing from God about your promotion. Oh, church, we just got to put God first because when we put him first, we will receive divine provision. Come on, let's go to the Lord and begin to worship him and begin to praise him. Let's repent of our sins and say, God, forgive me for my selfishness. God, forgive me for ignoring that you are first in my life. God, will you forgive me? I will know assuredly from this day forth, you will be first in my life. You will be first in all that I do. You will be first, Lord God, in all of my ways. Because, Lord, what can I do if you're not first? I will not have what I need if you're not first, Lord God. The blessings, oh God, that will come of divine meaning will not come if you're not first, almighty God. Oh, hallelujah, Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, have your way, have your way, have your way, have your way, have your way. We bless your name, Lord. We bless your name, Lord. We give you the praise and the honor, Lord Jesus. There is none like you, Almighty God. There is none like you, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Just for just two minutes before we leave here today, just for the next couple of minutes, just go before the Lord and just cry out to him and surrender to him and give yourself to him. He wants you to present your body to God, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is our reasonable service. Oh, yes, Lord God, we give you ourselves today. You are first in our life, in all of what we do. You are first, Almighty God. And there, Lord Jesus, we want you to have your way. And there, Lord Jesus, we want you to do whatever you want to do. Oh, hallelujah. We can touch somebody's heart today. And if they're not baptized in Jesus' name, and they will give their life to you today to be baptized, Lord God, to have all their sins washed away. Oh, that somebody will make you first right now, and they will no longer wait, but today they make you first. Somebody online, hear me today. Will you make God first today? Will you surrender to God and put Him first in your life today? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody, worship the Lord. Don't just leave here today the same way. 
Yeah. 